want to take a moment to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, that it is true. Father, that it is this true story of your great love for us as revealed to us on the cross. Father, let us be encouraged by your word. That when our lips fail, that when we can't speak, that when we're not strong enough, that your word still stands. Father, let the words that I speak be tested by this word and moved by your spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today I want to look at um, 2 Timothy verse 3. Um, or sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 3. And um, this is one that I've, I've preached on often. And, and the reason I'm, I'm preaching on this is, as some of you know, we've been working on a, a statement of faith um, and there's a couple things out of that that, that I, I said I would, would preach on. And, and um, as I started to do that, I realized we've got to get our foundation right. Um, there's, there's lots of points and topics that I can preach on, but we've got to get our foundation right. And the foundation is the Word of God. So 2 Timothy three fourteen. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how... From, I'll read from up there. How from childhood you have been acquainted with and and with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Um, what is this foundation that, that, that we lean on? Um, you know, I, I, I don't often talk about our, our movement as Churches of Christ, but, I, but I'll, I'll do that just here. Uh, some of you know we don't, we don't refer to ourselves as a denomination, but as a movement. We're independent churches who, who support one another, are, are supported by one another. But we're not a, a traditional denomination, that we don't have a creed or, or um, order that all the churches must subscribe. And, and it's really up to the local church. But in the beginning of this, this movement, it sprouted out of a, um, a communion service. Um, between a Baptist church and a, a Presbyterian church, they decided to get together and have this communion service together. And more and more people came, and, and it started getting bigger and, and bigger and bigger. And, and um, it lasted um, near a month, and um, came what is known as the Cane Ridge Revival. And, and there were good points in that revival, and there were some challenges as well. But it was in the simplicity of just believers getting together to worship together without the constraints of separatism or denominations. And the, the Presbyterian Church, they went back and said, you know, this just doesn't feel right. After we've experienced this, what we're doing just doesn't feel right. And, and they said, why can't we have it like that all the time? And um, so they decided to leave the Presbyterian Church, their, their denomination. And, and um, one of the things they wrote, they wrote this um, last will and testament of... of their church, and, and this isn't a, a creed by any means, but it's just interesting. 
this item. So there's several items in this, but this one particular item, and I, I don't know if that got up on the slides there, but um, it says, we will that the people henceforth take the Bible as the only sure guide to heaven and as many as are offended with other books which stand in competition with it may cast them into the fire if they choose. For it is better to enter into life having one book than having many and be cast into hell. I want to look at three things today. I want to first look at the, how the Bible is superior to all other books and all other information that we can get. How the Bible is sufficient and how the Bible is readable. So firstly, how the Bible is superior. And I love that statement that we just read. Um, and, and the poignancy there, that, that you can have all these other books, but you may as well throw them into the fire because it's better to enter life having one, <clears throat> one book than having many and be cast into hell. Obviously, this is a, a reference to, to Jesus who was talking about if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out because and, 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 it's better to, to enter into heaven with one eye than hell with two. The Bible is superior. This reminds me too of, of Charles Spurgeon who said, visit many books, but live in the Bible. Visit many books, but live in the Bible. Jesus, when he was tempted, Satan told him to make himself bread. And at this point, he's hungry and, and he's been, been tested and he's tired. And Satan says, look, you have the power. Why don't you just do it? Just, just make yourself some bread Eat it, and, and you'll be fine. Matthew 4, 4, Jesus answers. He says this. It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Just like food, right? If, um, if you don't eat, you can't move. You can't act. You can't work right. You can't perform to, to your highest ability. That's why in our text in 2 Timothy, it says the Bible is what equips us for doing that work, for going out and doing the things that God has called us to do. The problem is like food, there are healthy options and there are unhealthy options. And there's some things that are in between. The Bible, it's, it's the protein, nutrient-packed, full of healthy goodness. It's the kind of thing that, that athletes eat so they'll be able to perform well. Now, the problem is everything else. Well, everything else is like the all-you-can-eat buffet filled with fatty fried foods and, and potatoes and, and pastas and starch and processed meat and 21 different flavors of ice cream with cake and custard, right? And cream. That's another thing about Australia that I never understood. Why you put cream with ice cream and, and other things that are full of cream. But anyways... It fills you up, right? It, 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 it fills you up. It makes you full. It gives you energy for a little while. But it doesn't make you perform at your best. But it's easy. You know, and it, and, and it tastes good. That's often how we view what we're taking into ourselves as, as Christians. There's a lot of really easy stuff. And it might give you a little bit of nutrients. But it's not the Bible. And it's nothing compared to the Bible. Which is why I, I come to my second point. Which is that the Bible is sufficient. 
One of the things we get caught up in as, as um, Christians, as pastors, uh, this, this I can say is true, every time pastors visit each other, the first thing they comment on is their library. How many, how many books do you have? And that's a great thing to have books and, and references and resources. But sometimes we can get caught up in thinking that, that we need all of that. But we read in verse 16, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So if you're out there and you're, you're, you're living and you want to live as a Christian and you want to know how to do that, you don't need to go to Kurong and buy every single book on that subject. It says here, the Bible it's God-breathed, and it's useful for all of those things. It's in there, but we have to study it. We have to find it, but it's in there. For every good work, everything that you are called to do as a believer, it's in the Bible. And, and the, the, the word here um, for useful in the Greek, it's, it's sufficient, which means it's enough. Like, it's good enough. Here we see it's, it's useful for two reasons. The first and the most important is because God says it. That's what makes the Bible something we need to read, because God spoke it. If God says it, it's probably important, and it's probably something we should listen to. Here's a good example. In the time of Josiah, the people had just come off of this series of, of terrible rulers, about 60 years' worth. And, and, and in the temple, they began to build pagan altars and Asherah poles and all these things that they used to worship other gods. And, um, and they went about their day like everything was good. They thought the gods were good with them, including the one that, um, the one god who, who set people free from Israel. They kind of saw that god as just one of the many others. There were a few grumbling prophets here and there, but they were just being negative. But Josiah, he decided to do some remodeling. And, um, and as he did that, he, he, he found something that had been missing. And that nobody knew was missing. He found amongst some old silver, an old scroll, that would have otherwise been tossed out. It had been forgotten. The scribes got it. And, and they, they began to read it. And I'm not sure what the scribes had been doing these few decades if they didn't have the scroll, but most likely making things up. But anyways, the, the scribes, they, they read it. And it was the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, for them, the Scriptures. They were supposed to be reading this every year. They were supposed to be teaching from this and learning from it. But they had neglected this. It was the commandments, the law, the stories of how God had rescued them from Israel. All of that had been lost. And when Josiah heard it, when they read it to Josiah, he was, he was just a young man. He was only 18 at the time. And, and, and he was so convicted that he wept. He, he tore his robe in humility and he said, what have we done and, and in this, he, he hears about God's wrath and he realizes, look, we've been disobeying God. This God who brought us out of, out of Israel, or brought us out of Egypt into Israel, we've forsaken him. 
and abandon his laws. So he tells the prophets to go to God, ask what they should do. And he's totally convinced that God is going to wipe them out because of this. But God says, no, look, because you have returned to me, I will have mercy on you. Because you have returned to me in humility, I will relent. So for about 60 years, basically two generations in that time, the Torah scrolls had been forgotten. No one read them. No one knew the truth about God and how he saved them and how he created them. No one knew that commandment that said, you shall have no other gods. And so they were worshiping other gods. It was all lost. But the crazy thing was, nobody noticed. I mean, this is, this is the spectacular thing here. The, the, the Bible, essentially, had been lost and nobody noticed. They didn't send out a, a, a team to search the, the temple. They, they, didn't, they didn't put out a reward. Hey, if you find this scroll, it just got forgotten. Think about that. The Word of God had just been forgotten. And no one was looking for it. You know, we can do that with the Bible. Just use it as if it is a, another piece of furniture. We can forget it, slowly abandoning it for other, other sweeter things to take in. But see, the Bible isn't just for good works. We got that part. Verse 15 says this, And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The Bible is also for understanding salvation. If we, if we read the Word of God, we can understand our salvation. We can understand what God has done for us, just like reading those Torah scrolls in the time of Josiah helped them to understand how awesome this God was that He got them out of Israel and why He needed to be worshipped and only Him. Without reading that, they had no idea. So the, the last thing I want to talk about is that the Bible is readable. So why don't we read the Bible? Why do we find it hard to read the Bible? And even I find it hard, especially in, in those times Norm was talking about, that, that, that we, we get in those ruts in, in life, and, and, and there's something there that just causes us not to be able to open the Word of God, not to be able to pray sometimes. And I think this is a spiritual battle. I think it's a much deeper issue than we often make it. And that is, we, we have this Satan fella. He's called the father of lies, right? This is what he does. He lies. He deceives. He, he tries to get us to believe things. In Matthew 24, it says he, he's even there to deceive the body of Christ. The church, the elect. And in Revelations 12, 9, he is called Satan who deceives the world. That's his job, to deceive the world. So if you've ever seen a, a deceiver in this world, an earthly deceiver, what's the first thing they do? L look at a, a cult leader, right? The first thing they do is they cut people off from the truth. You look, at, look at North Korea, right? People aren't allowed to get information. They're not allowed to get the, the truth. Why? So that they can be fed lies. I believe it is a deception from Satan that causes us to believe that the Bible is too boring or too difficult or too hard to read for ourselves. I mean, Satan's already done this. 
in, in church history for, for hundreds of years. We don't have to go all the way back to Josiah. The church in the, in the Middle Ages was a super corrupt place. The popes were, were giving out position to unqualified family members or, or to people who paid the highest price. They were selling salvation, saying if you pay this much, you're going to get out of, out of um, what do you call it, purgatory. But you have to pay us to do that. They were paying, getting people to pay for healings. The Pope at one time, at one point, he had a, a suit of armor made of gold. It was corrupt. Why? How did they get to that place? I mean, it sounds like the, the 50 years before Josiah, too. It sounds like the time of Ahab. Well, the first thing Satan did was to get the church and the people to believe that the average person could not and should not read the Bible. And they didn't. And, and they, they, they left it in, in a language that, that the people could not read or understand so that only the priests could, could read it. And even most of the priests hadn't read it. In fact, it was so serious that anybody who tried, like Wycliffe, they ended up being killed. Anybody who tried to say, we should all read the Bible. Those people were killed at the stake. That's how serious it was. So uh, when I see this, uh, I immediately see, well, no, this is a, a huge deception from Satan. We saw this great failure, moral and spiritual, that lasted for hundreds of years. When did it stop? When the printing presses began turning out Bibles for people to read so that everybody could read them. Look here what Jesus says about hearing the Word of God. He says this in John 8.43 and he's talking to, to um, some Pharisees and scribes. He says, Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my Word. Hear that again? Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my Word. Because you are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand for the truth because he, there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. So here he's saying, look, because you are so influenced by Satan, and he, you're so influenced that he is actually your father. You will not hear this. You will not understand this. You cannot. Because Satan, the one who leads you, is a liar and a deceiver. I don't believe that Satan uses supernatural means to get this done anymore. I'm sure he does in some cases, but he doesn't need to. Instead, he has ingrained within our culture this notion, at worst, that the Bible is untrue and unnecessary, and at best for Christians, that it's too hard or too boring, or that it's the pastor's job to read it. These are all lies from Satan, meant to deceive us, meant to draw us both personally and corporately into a time of forgetting, like that time of Josiah that we would forget the truth of salvation. I mean, that is a, a great plan for him, right? We don't know the truth of salvation or know the Scriptures if, if we don't know these things. And if we don't know them well enough, then we can't share them. And we've done his job for him. If we don't know them well enough to explain to, to the people around us how we are saved and how they can be saved, then his job is done. 
So be in the word. I don't think anybody is immune to this, but we have a call to resist the devil, to break free through that feeling of apathy. Scriptures say, resist the devil and he will flee from you. To break through that feeling of apathy. Those are the times when we need to read the scriptures the most. Those times when we go and we just say, I cannot read this. And and we might be looking at this and we're saying, "I, I just don't understand it today. I just can't get into this. You don't have to. Jesus says that the the Holy Spirit will teach us everything we need. The Holy Spirit helps us to understand the Scriptures. Ask God for the Holy Spirit as you read to fill you with understanding. And there are times when when maybe your mind is, is distracted. Maybe you just can't get into what the Bible's saying. Those are the times you push through in prayer. And you're not always going to get some aha, big spiritual moment when you read it. That's okay, but read it. It's the bread of life. Read it with the passion of David. David says this, and I'll finish it here, in Psalm 19. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold. They are much pure gold. They're sweeter than honey, the honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. But who can discern its errors? That last line is is meaning there aren't any. Be in the Word. I want to encourage you. Push through those moments. Read the Word. It's the very thing that, that keeps us going as believers. And if, if you struggle with that, I'm, I'm more than willing to help you or, or direct you to, to where you can, you can get some good resources in that but, or, or, or Bible reading plans, but, but just be in the Word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Your Word is, is a precious gift, more precious than anything, than gold, than silver, than, than anything the world can give. Father, forgive us for those times when we have forgotten, like in the time of Josiah. But lead us into your word. Encourage us and and strengthen us that we can resist that temptation to, to forget. But again, Father, let us be thankful for it like David. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.